Yes Have Some podcast is excited to tell our listeners about Dr. Pepper and the brand new collectible cans from Spider-Man Far From Home. Collectors, it's time to make that decision. Are you going to drink these Dr. Peppers or are you going to leave them mint in package? Either way, you got to collect all five cans available now, including the new limited time flavor Dr. Pepper Dark Berry featuring Mysterio. Get your hands on all five of the new Spider-Man Far From Home cans from Dr. Pepper available at Walmart. From the corner penthouse of Spook Central, all the way to Star Killer Base, this is Yes Have Some Podcast. You like? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags. The only place in the multiverse where you can love the book, hate the movie, but still buy all the toys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi mask. A what? Please remember to hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed. With your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner, and Jacob Walsh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Yes Have Some Podcast. Episode 150 is here. It is a milestone. I did not think we would ever make it. And boy, what are you looking at me like that for? No. Abby's giving me the weirdest. Only 150? Only 150? Jesus. I think we should be like partying right now. This is the episode uh, for the 150 episode. um, I, I think as a special thing. This should be Craig's entire episode in Dr. Evil. Oh, that was promised to us both, Jake. I forgot. We had a fun weekend. And over the weekend, we all got together. We had some fun. And one of my proclamations was that eventually I would do an entire episode as Dr. Evil. Now, is it going to be this week? (laughs) It can't be because we just did a 45-minute interview. Call him back. Call him back to it in Dr. Evil. (laughs) Whole thing. Just keep telling him to zip it. Uh, just just dub your speaking. Just I dub can't. It. I can't. So we just Well, I, well you must not be very good. Well, yeah, you're going to have to work harder. I don't know how we have 150 episodes of the show. Listen, Jake. <laughs> you think I'm a freaking moron? That's not even good. What am I doing? Yeah, with my it life? is. Hey, could you talk into the microphone? Hey, we only have one microphone. Why don't you, know, you get me another one? Well, I it's there's Technical difficulties. 150 Technically, episodes. we're podcasting from the couch today instead of from the toy late. room. We 150 episodes were like, you know what? Let's just do it. In 150? The most- Fuck hey, it. Hey, right? We, as I was about to hit the record button, Jake under his breath goes, what are we talking about today? <laughs> <laughs> How we're- Let me look at this rundown. Yeah. We're having a good time. So thanks for listening, everybody, for all these episodes, by the way. We appreciate you and love you. And uh, this is just me saying thanks. So uh, before we go any further, I do want to say that after uh, the initial part of the episode here, we do have an interview with John Compompiano and Ryan Grulick. They are the writers and directors of a brand new short film called Georgie. It is based in the it universe it is very cool mm-hmm. and uh we're going to talk about that in more detail a little bit later with them um i do want to let everybody know that it premieres exclusively on fangoria and fangoria's social media channels on june 10th uh everybody will be able to check it out we got an early 
copy. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Feeling pretty privileged about that. Like it. Exclusivity. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. uh, they're great. I, I really enjoyed our conversation with them. And yeah. uh, John is actually directing the uh, documentary on the original 1990 it miniseries that will be released later this year. Uh, and I know we've talked about him before in that documentary specifically. So mm-hmm. uh, Georgie's coming out here in a couple weeks, and we talked to them, gosh, almost an hour. It was good. Yeah. It was good stuff. I enjoyed it. I don't want to speak for the gang here. Jake, did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, it was it was pretty good, man. There was a lot, there was a lot of good chit-chatting. And, uh, did you uh, learn some, anything? Some good insight. Hmm? Yeah, dude. Did you learn? Did I learn? I did. I learned that's, you know, and I don't, you know, learning's not always fun, Craig. Dude. But it can be. But it was, but it was fun tonight. <laughs> I'm going to read the book Scuffy the Tugboat, and I learned about that uh, as per our conversation with these guys. And uh, yeah, I had a really fun time talking with them. I hope they can come back and just chat about horror movies in general sure. and whatever their future projects are, because they, yeah. you know what, they can hang. They're pretty cool. Anyone who has um, like that many VHS tapes in their collection of one movie, I respect. So... <laughs> So do we. <laughs> so real quick, uh, Jake, you were up here this weekend. Uh, we was had I? Some fun. You were. I remember seeing okay. you. I remember it. Okay. Um, All right. well, so and we, Zach Myers, our good friend, was also with yeah. us. Yeah. He spent mm-hmm. the whole day. We like to have these days where we get an honorary member of YHS and we bring mm-hmm. them along. Yeah. It's kind of like their uh, make a wish day. Oh my. God. Oh my God. Do we have to cut that? No. It's okay. Fun. No. Good. I love that. <laughs> People just. It's a it's an opportunity for us to hang out with friends. Yes. Yeah, that's what we did this weekend. It was because or Zach or Zach is a good friend of ours and he wanted to go to the movies with us. No, no, no. It was where that came from. It was an opportunity for him because people don't realize. Dude, he helped us actually that day. John Yerkeba takes his title as the unofficial official member. Uh, fourth member of Yes Have Some Podcast. Top fan. Very seriously. And uh, I don't know. There's a couple other people trying to encroach on his uh, his territory there. <laughs> you better watch out. Um, so let's, real quick, I did want to let everybody know I want to plug the YouTube channel. We've been putting up a lot more YouTube content. We just released a new video today. Mm-hmm. It is the Yes Have Some Ghostbusters Fan Fest photo op practice session. And that's exactly what you think it is. It's just what it sounds like. It's a video. It's something. It's out there. I like it. People can search my name and find that. Yeah. (laughs) Jake, how how are you going to feel when like a cousin you haven't seen in a long time? I'm hoping (laughs) that the way my mom discovers the podcast is through that video. I love that your mom. Okay. Cheese. So there was, before we talk about our weekend with Zach. Talk about our moms. There was an idea Going around group therapy to have a freaky Friday. That was my idea. Oh, will you talk about it? Yes. Well, because we were, there was a comment thread talking about getting John's mom on the show. John Yerkeba's John Yerkeba's mom. Because she's like, read Stephen King. Because she's, she's dope. So I wanted to have an episode where we have all of our moms stand in for us, like freaky Friday. Um, and I just, as I think more and more about it, I think it would be one of the best things ever. My lip, my lip, my lips are getting numb just thinking about <laughs> it. Uh, it would be so bad. Yeah. No. What would yeah, it be? be like? You know what? If the, my okay. mom probably just wouldn't talk. She would just sit there. Mm. Okay. She would. She would have nothing to say. So, my I mom think. would. I hope she's not listening. Probably nervously talk the entire time. So yeah. I'm yell my mom would I get be it. Uh, about twelve Miller lights in before <laughs> calling up. Listen, I uh, love you, mom. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. This is our Mother's Day episode. <laughs> well, also, you know what's funny? If if John Yerkeva's mom was on. 
it would be the same dynamic with our three moms. Uh-huh. She would just school everybody with much more knowledge <laughs> and information. And than, just being generally cooler. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love it. Um, so, so Freaky Friday, it's coming up. We're gonna have to hit about five hundred patrons before we. Uh, <laughs> Y'all are gonna have to pay a lot of money to get Elaine Gardner on the show. <laughs> oh, she, your mom would just be giving like cooking. Recipes. She would totally. She'd tell you how to make a bunt cake. <laughs> um, so listen, let's talk about uh, our weekend. We all went and saw. They've been doing these 80th anniversary screenings for Batman. And we went and saw Batman Forever, which I know was important for Abby because it gen it is one of your favorite movies. Yeah, and I you, like that it's important for it's Abby. Important. For everyone else, it's like whatever. But yeah, no, it was important. And I came out. Well, for one, I just want to point out when we walked out of the movie, Jake said, "Guys, that's a good movie," which was like <laughs> a personal win for me, and it made me very happy. But. Yeah, like, I, I literally have watched, I watched this movie for the very first time, probably, like, f- I don't know, four or five years ago. Um, I loved it so much that first time I saw it. No, it has to be longer than that. It had to be, because I, I did probably a costume. Years yeah, because I, it, no, because I've, so- I've been sober. I've been sober for six years, and so this was, like, back in the beginning. Okay, cool. Cool backstory. Fact is, when I first watched Batman Forever, I remember thinking, oh, I've never seen this, A. Uh, I used to want to see it as a kid. I was very, it was very enticing. Um, I loved all the colors and, and the commercials and the posters and advertisements for it. Um, so when I got to see it as an adult, I was like, this is kind of good. Like, this has actually, like, got merit to it. And when I saw it on the big screen with you guys, I was, that was just, that feeling was reaffirmed, like, to see Nicole Kidman. I'm like, she's legitimately, like, a likable character. She's tough. She's badass. Uh, yeah, there's some campy moments throughout the movie, but it, like, is evocative of the old Batman, like, TV series and the movie, um, the 60s movie. And so I, I walked out of the theater feeling just like Jake, like, Fuck, it's a good movie, and I'm yeah. glad I saw it with my friends. And I think there's – if you haven't watched Batman Forever in a long time, a lot of people kind of loop it in with Batman and Robin. Uh, it's – it's – it's – It's the baby that gets thrown out with the bathwater. Yes. It's 100 percent better than Batman and Robin. It's mm-hmm. fun. And, Jake, you can speak to this because we were talking about it all weekend. Jim Carrey is on fire in that movie. <laughs> The movie is like – yeah, it is campy and silly, but it's so – funny like yeah. i don't i it, it, it had been a very long time since i've seen it too but just watching it in the theater and seeing like things even things that maybe weren't meant to be funny but don't like it's they're, they're things that aren't they're not things that you see and like you hold against the movie you're like that's probably not supposed to be funny but it's funny and also there's this scene that i think all of us realized was happening for the very as many times as however many of like we've watched this movie, we're sitting in the theater and I think we all realized something at the same time we that did. we did not know about this movie. And there is a scene where uh, the Riddler is like in normal clothes. They're like uh, unveiling, you know, the box and he's in a suit and he, he says like, how's my mole? And, and, and that always just seemed like a weird, like, okay, he's got a mole, whatever. But then you realize that's a fake mole and he's trying to look exactly like Bruce Wayne and he's wearing the same tuxedo as Bruce Wayne. And this is the funny, I could not stop laughing at this. Bruce Wayne puts his glasses on and then the Riddler puts on the exact same glasses. And then like, takes them off exactly when Bruce Wayne takes his glasses off. And I never realized that that was going on. 
and it's ridiculous and it's it's just so good. Jim Carrey is so funny. Yeah. So that's and you wouldn't notice it unless it was like that big in front of you because Yeah, because the entire all four of us Zach loves Batman forever. Like he knows everything like he never realized it before. We were all it was all dawning on us at the same time. I talked to a friend uh, outside of our group who also loves that movie. His name's William Billy Hennis. Oh, okay, I know him. And I said, Hey, Batman Forever, have you ever noticed this thing in the scene where they're debuting the new Nigma tech that like Jim Carrey is perfectly emulating every piece of clothing? Like his hair is the exact same as Val Kilmer's. Like, as a kid, I just thought, like, the way I, the logic of watching it as a kid was always like, oh, he's rich now. He just has, like, a, a better hair. No, but it's like he's obsessed with him, which furthers the whole, like, psychological exploration of that movie and people's, like, scarred psyche and shit, which I think is kind of interesting. I always thought for that scene, he's just got a disguise on because you can't. I remember like when I first saw. Yeah, because he can't be the Riddler right there. I I, I, when I was really young, it confused me. I was like, well, how is his hair not red right here? I was like, how's he got longer hair here than he did one scene ago? And and as I watched it as a little, I just was like, oh, it's a disguise because he's in public. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, it was great. So a lot of fun and. Good, good seeing Zach and good hanging out and go to the movies. And yeah, and it was fun to sit in a theater that was mostly empty and be able to like <laughs> kind us. of yeah, <laughs> we could like make jokes like MST3K and do our own little lampooning. Dude, there's there's nothing to lampoon. The movie's perfect. Yeah, except for the Dick Grayson <laughs> is obviously thirty and child services is not looking for him. Caffeine will kill you. <laughs> All right. All right. So we saw Batman Forever. It's always cool to see a, uh, an older movie on the big screen. I kept saying that. Guys, got to see it on the big the screen. The big screen. It's the big screen. Um, and then, yeah, we did the video. So check out uh, check out our YouTube channel and, and uh, search Yes, Have Some on YouTube, and you'll find all of those videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we go any further, I did want to also mention very quickly Patreon. Thank you so much to all of our patrons, yeah. all the new folks who have signed up. Uh, bonus episodes, two to three bonus episodes a month. All you got to do to get in on those is go to patreon.com slash yes, have some. You put your $5 down, you get immediate access to the backlog, okay? All of our archived episodes, and then we've got two new bonus I episodes. I thought we were going to call that the YHS vault. Yes, the YHS vault. Okay. And sometimes we lock the vault. Sometimes <laughs> we go back into the vault. All right. Sometimes Beauty and the Beast just isn't going to be available. Okay? Uh, so thank you to all of our uh, supporters. It really means the world to us. Helps us pay for the website hosting and the podcast hosting mm-hmm. and all that sorts of yeah. stuff. So if Love you want to get in on that, it is patreon.com slash yes, have some. Okay. So um, we want to cover uh, some Ghostbusters news before we hey, get to it. Hey, hold on. Before before we do that, let, can we can we just acknowledge really quick that we got a package in the mail over the weekend? Yes! And, we got and a say thank packages. you to hey, uh, first uh, of all, Mods. You read our itinerary, Jake, that I... I'm sorry, not Jake, but Craig, I'm getting mad at. For YHS episode 50, the first two things... This is not episode 50. That's 150! The first two things I wrote, thank Adam Sloman and thank Ectomods. All right, go. So thank thank you guys for sending us such <laughs> badass shit in the mail. Um, it was really 
really cool, actually. On uh, this weekend, like we were just saying, we all hung out. Monday morning, Jake was still here. We woke up, opened the door, front porch. There was a package, a big package, which was from, was this one from Ectomods? From Canada. From Canada. Oh, my God. It was the 7-Eleven exclusive giant-ass mugs and uh, collectible Ghostbusters cups that you can fill with slushies if you have a 7-Eleven uh-huh. near you. Slurpees. Slurpees or Dr. Pepper. Can I, am I doing a, a Dr. Evil? <laughs> They're freaking Slurpees, Scottish. <laughs> Why don't you continue? We opened them up. It was awesome. And we also got some prints in the mail. I like Slurpees because they're evil. <laughs> they're giving you a brain freeze. Okay. Uh, no, yeah. Thank you so much. Ectomods on Instagram. Very cool Instagram account. Customizes uh, Ectomobiles and all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, and he was kind enough to send us those... Uh, he traveled. He, he's from Canada, but he had to go to like a different part of Canada to get... The 7-Eleven stuff, which is only available in Canada. You cannot get the uh, the 7-Eleven Slurpee mugs for Ghostbusters in America. In fact, the official Ghostbusters account on Twitter posted uh, after the Game of Thrones coffee cup thing from a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. It said something along the lines of like, go to Westeros for Starbucks coffee cups and go to Canada for 7-Eleven Ghostbusters. <laughs> Something like that. Dude, uh, I wish that there was that giant 100-ounce mug in the scene from Game of Thrones just on a table. I want to fill that 100-ounce mug up with something. Yeah, me too. I was like, do I have to check this when I go on the airplane and take it to L.A.? <laughs> no, it's just that you need it for medical Dude, reasons. I'm going to pack things in it. Um, so thank you so much to Ectomods. And also thank you to YHS listener and group therapier, <laughs> group Th- therapist. Group therapy. No, Ember. no, he's not a therapist. We are the therapists. He is yes, a, he is our client. He's a patient. Okay. I think client <laughs> is the uh, proper term. No, patient. I'm pretty, okay, patron. Patient. What? Patient. <laughs> Adam Sloman. <laughs> Thank you, Adam, who sent us some UK exclusive Pet Cemetery theater posters that are very cool. Um, and uh, he was nice enough. And he's the one who sent you a couple weeks ago your uh, bumper sticker for Pike High Tech. Oh, my God. R.I.P. I still have the sticker. Don't have the car. Yes. But I'm getting a new car next week, yes. everybody. But That's we did get fun. insurance for the sticker. Yes. Uh, sticker so, remains. Listen, we get packages from the UK, Canada. Our international fan base is really taking care of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jake, I know you were excited to uh, bring home your new Slurpee Cups to Valdosta. Yeah, dude, I was, except I'm having that dumb little thing where I'm like, oh, this exclusive 100 you know, ounce. Do I want to open the plastic on this? Am I just going to leave it and put it on a shelf? Uh, do I want to drink out of this? Open tear it this up. Plastic off? Isn't that the stupidest thing ever? It's so dumb. And I, if I, it's like... It, the same it really controls my life. Opening packages is really like the biggest anxiety that I have. You have to figure anything out anything that's it's just just a mug. <laughs> and it's just like a bad piece of plastic. And I'm having like trouble deciding if I want to tear this plastic off it. Uh, Abby became disconnected. I just lost it. I was like, no, what is Jake saying? Um, you have to figure out if it will bring you more joy to open it. Or more joy to look at it on the shelf. I don't know. I feel like I feel like hey, I you should open it. I think I want to open mine. Like, I kind of want to. I kind of want to. I like how obnoxiously big it is, and I want to be seen carrying it around. Dude, I want to eat soup drinking. out of it, uh, dude. That's wonton. a good idea. Let's you fill can, it with well, wontons. Probably just one wonton. Though. Just like one wonton. One wonton and a hundred ounces of broth. Okay. Hey, speaking okay. of wontons, does anybody know who? Uh, 
who Digital Wonton is no. yet? Is that still Digital a, Wonton or? has not revealed themselves yet. They'll like carry on full conversations with us in a DM. Digital Wonton asked if they could be a, an admin for group therapy. <laughs> and I was like, not if we don't I know mean, who you are. You have to be a real person to admin. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, we'll learn soon enough. I did. They did say they go to Dragon Con. So, okay. That's okay. easy. One clue. Hey, maybe Digital Wonton, if you're out there. Okay. I'm about to do it. Ready? Okay. Ready? Shh, everybody quiet. Ready? I'm trying to think of a riddle. Okay. Oh. From Batman Forever. <laughs> like, did you talk to Evil? The, the numbers on my face, 1 through 12, are a clock. It's a clock. Okay. <laughs> if Digital Wonton is out there. At the stroke of midnight on the ground floor of the Marriott. No. Okay. No, no. I want one. going to happen. I want one clue a week. In the, Why did you not like mine? Because I didn't think of it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even get to finish. Go on, finish. Oh, I don't have anything. Okay, there it goes. Okay. This is a funny episode so far. <laughs> I'm having fun. One clue a week into the Yes Have Some Instagram direct message. Slide into our DMs and give us a clue. And then we will eventually figure out who Digital Wonton is. Yeah, we'll do an unmasking at midnight on the ground floor of the Marriott. We need to – well, let's challenge Digital Wonton to like a, a, a mask match. You know, if if if, if they lose, they, they lose their mask. Uh, what, oh, my What do God. we lose we'll if do, we we'll lose? Do a real, we'll do a real Rey Mysterio thing here. Well, nothing. I love this. We'll, I'm imagining us all hanging out, but Digital Wonton like puts up a YouTube video where they like – we're all watching it at the same time. No, it's kind of like, like Batman. It's like the Secrets of Magic unveiled. Yeah. Yeah. Like the old show on NBC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Watch the masked man as he reveals how his assistant was cut open with a chainsaw. Yeah. And it's like, wow, guys, we're going to really learn some stuff here. (laughs) All right, cool. Guys, I got to bring this up. So, um, Dan, friend of the podcast, Dan Aykroyd, Mm -hmm. uh, was on a podcast today. And uh, I didn't even want to show you guys this in advance because I just want, I, I need a live reaction. Okay. So the podcast he was on is called Alien Nation, and it's hosted by uh, a lady named Joe Wood. She's British. And I listened to the whole podcast. It was about 25 minutes. It was very entertaining. Um, and it seems like they're friends somehow. They know each other. Their families know each other. Um, but there's a, I laughed out loud 10 times listening to this podcast. <laughs> and I pulled – I actually pulled a – I pulled something, a piece of audio. Oh, I felt like a muscle oh. from laughing. I pulled a muscle from laughing. No, I pulled a piece of audio, and I just want you guys to react to this. So to set this up, uh, they're talking about abductions, uh, alien abductions and probing and things like that. Okay. Will you please play Blink-182 before you play this clip? Will you add that in? I will not. Okay. <laughs> what if people knew that these were real? Okay. That's basically what this Thank is. Thank you. All right, you guys ready for this? Yeah. It's about 30 seconds. Cool. Give us your reaction. River sucked into an orange orb and, and plunged into the river. Really? I wonder why they do that, though. I wonder what it is. What point is it of abducting anybody? Or, or what are they doing that for? I don't understand all that. Why, you know, when they, they could just come talk to me if they wanted to. I mean, a... well, I think they're more interested in your ova and your femininity and your reproductive parts and maybe your DNA. You're a beautiful woman. <laughs> they'd love to draw blood. They'd love to draw fluid. They'd love to impregnate you and and, and give you a little hybrid baby. This is what they're up to here. A lot of them. Uh, you heard 
doing here, folks? His like knowledge of aliens is based on raunchy eighties movies and like how what aliens come down to do in those. According to Dan Aykroyd, our personal Lord and Savior, at least some of the aliens are here because they're just they're straight up horny to impregnate you, baby. So listen, okay. And, and I'll, well, I give it to them for being curious just about got, the female reproductive I just, system. I just got a hundred percent more excited for that paranormal panel. Oh, yeah, and, uh, dude. Listen, fan fest. So they go on. I, I want everybody to go listen to this interview. They go on to talk about uh, hybrid alien babies. Uh, Dan Aykroyd then starts talking about his webbed toes and theorizes what and his <laughs> and his uh, how he has one eye that's a different color. Wait. And, so do I. My thumbs are different sizes. What do you- Does Dan does Dan think he's part alien? I think God, so. I am. They talked about a lot of good stuff. There's an exact quote. He goes. He goes like. Uh, he's like, well, people aren't going to believe it until a lizard's up there shaking hands with Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, dude. And then he goes, well, that's going to be a hard deal to make with the aliens. Talk about a deal. So. Uh, I want his paranormal panel to start at like 8 a.m. and go to question mark and like just be all day at Fan Fest. All day with Dan. Listen, I, listen, I am using my class 10 uh, status. I'm using my whatever amount of time that I'm getting at a breakfast with Dan Aykroyd to ask him if I can see his web toes. Yes. Oh, uh, we're seeing those toes. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to wear a shirt that just says, we're going to see those toes. We're going to see those toes. <laughs> we're going to see those toes. We're going to see those toes. Um, <laughs> so, I just wanted to play it up for you guys. And, uh, Dude, let's quick. invite him to the pool. Real quick, real quick. Real quick. Keep your shoes off. Really yeah. He's an X-Man. Yeah. Real quick, just real quick, again. And your femininity and your reproductive parts and maybe your DNA. You're a beautiful woman. They'd love to draw blood. They'd love to draw fluid. They'd love to impregnate you and plant and, and give you a little hybrid baby. This is what they're up to here. A lot of them. Better not do it in Georgia. Give you a little hybrid baby. Or yeah. Alabama. Georgia and Alabama do not have Stay a hybrid away. baby. Sorry, ladies. You will be keeping that baby. You better move. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, guys, this is this is my segue into talking about Ghostbusters Fan Fest. I am so excited. I yeah. really am. I really am. There were some announcements this week. There's a lot going on. Let's go ahead and talk about it. We'll be getting okay. to the interview with uh, John and Ryan here in just a few. Oh, weird. The only other guests we ever have, I guess John and Ryan are required names to be guests on Yes yeah. I'm Podcast. <laughs> I, was gonna, I felt super comfortable with them right off the bat because I was like, hey, I know these names. I know John and Ryan. <laughs> I know these names. Um, oh, John. So it was announced this week. Um, we we kind of got a little word maybe uh, from a trusted source, uh, the man himself, uh, that he might be uh, appearing at Ghostbusters Fan Fest. But mm-hmm. um, Paul mm-hmm. Feig, mm-hmm. this is a little bit surprising, right? Yeah. Like he's going to be at Fan Fest. There's going to be a director's panel on the main stage with Paul Feig, Ivan Reitman, and Jason Reitman all talking about directing Ghostbusters, uh, which is interesting because at the time of the panel, only two of them – Will have directed a Ghostbusters movie with one upcoming. Uh, Jake, what uh, what was your reaction to this news? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely do think it was a little. Uh, it, it seems like a tiny bit of weird news, but also like I think it's a good thing for sure. Like whether you like that movie or you dislike that movie or you like that movie and then uh, had a mental breakdown very slowly <laughs> over the course of a couple of years and decided maybe you hate it. 
Uh, it's good for him to be there. Uh, uh, he's, he's a nice dude. He's a super good guy. And, um, the fact that you're going to have every person who has directed, you know, a Ghostbusters film on the stage at the same time, you know, having a conversation together and interacting with the crowd like that, that's a cool, that's never, that's never going to happen again. Like that's Mm -hmm. cool. That's very good that he's going to be there. And it, it also, you know, we cover everything. There's, there's been a little bit of a lack of, uh, answer the call announcements for FanFest. Um, so I think it's good that he's going to be there. Yeah, I completely agree. And just like in the effort of smoothing things over and putting stuff to rest and getting closure, I think that especially if they focus on keeping a sense of humor and like honesty and reality on vulnerability about yeah. the whole thing, like just be real about it. That could be really healing for the community. Um, I know that people yeah, were joking. For sure. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. I think, dude, let's bring my therapist. Let's all talk. Um, I think it, I think it might be a good opportunity. Adam Sloman. No, no. Oh, wait, he's not our therapist. <laughs> no, he's not a therapist. Um, but yeah, I was surprised initially. Cause I was like, Oh, like, Paul Feig, okay, I thought there was a little bit of, like, controversy going on there, um, but it'll be good to see them all on stage together talking and for us to have, like, really good energy moving forward towards something, so, and putting yeah. that behind us. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is, like, no matter what, Answer the Call is part of Ghostbusters. Like, it, when you're, it, it, compared to Star Wars, there's things in the Star Wars fandom that not everybody loves, but some people love a lot. Yeah, they're called the prequels. The prequels. There's people who still hate Return of the Jedi because they don't like Ewoks. So, like, Answer the Call is part of the Ghostbusters fandom. It's part of the community. It's basically the genesis of our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's also the reason why we're getting the new Ghostbusters movie that we're getting. So, Dude, I want a t-shirt that says, I wouldn't be here without Answer the Call. Yes, have some podcasts. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Okay, we're like, that's you, not something we're you, doing. You can have that. I want one that says, I would not be here without aliens extracting <laughs> fluids and impregnating <laughs> women to Taking make hi- hybrid babies. Well, a lot of them is what they're up to. Um, I like that he's like a lot of them. Not all of them. Well, he knows. Also, in the interview, he talks about aliens who travel here for sport. It's very funny. He thinks like is all he aliens. Him, wait, is it, did he see Predator? And he was like, oh, this is a documentary. Oh, no, he talks about their their little ships and they, they like to just come down. And he also talks about one time <laughs> what yeah, I think he, he talks about an intergalactic war where there's some aliens here to protect the human race and some to uh, harm us. Uh, it's great. Yeah. He covered a lot of ground in 25 minutes. And not one wow. time did she ask anything about the new Ghostbusters movie. I was very upset. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Paul Feig at FanFest. I think it's a good thing. I I think it's interesting. I'll I'll be interested to see how candid the conversation actually gets because it's no secret that there was some back and forth struggle behind the scenes, uh, between, you know, ghost core and Ivan and and Paul Feig in the Mm -hmm. production. Uh, I don't think they're going to cover that ground, but you know that somebody's going to ask about the potential of a sequel. Like, I wonder if they're going to have like standard answers for that or if Paul's just gonna be like, oh, well, uh, Ivan, what do you think? <laughs> like, I don't, I, Dude, I just officially got most excited for this panel strictly to see what questions are asked and to get kind of the feel for the audience and to see. There how will be no live Q&A during the director's panel. You don't think there's so? Gonna, there's going to be a question like there's going to be a question about the end of that movie referencing, you know, Zool and were there talk of a cross or all of that? And they're going to have like, they're going to have to explain themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. I mean, it, I, I think the fans would appreciate some good conversation and listen, like 
you know, Dan Aykroyd said that Paul Feig's not allowed on the Sony lot. So yeah, just dude, <laughs> talk are, about it. Hey, break the barrier. Oh my god! What? So name of a board game? Um, keyword board. Listen, uh-huh. I um, I uh, can we just kick out anybody who brings up the fact that the video game is the real third movie? Well, we're going to talk about that <laughs> okay. in a second. Um, no, I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. Listen, any announcements about FanFest? And this is the first official announcement of a panel that's happening. Like we we've talked with Lady Sarah from Wizard about. The different panels that may or may not be happening at FanFest. So uh, any news is good news as far as FanFest goes because we're a couple weeks away. Hopefully there's been some rumblings of more guests. I know that all the people on the Class 10 package – on the Class 10 packages it says and more to be announced. And everyone's like, more? (laughs) Please? Mm -hmm. Can we get more? Uh, So – yeah, I think it's good though. Overall, I, I think it's a good thing for Paul Fee to be there. I think it would be weird to celebrate 35 years of Ghostbusters and have no representation from Answer the Call. Mm-hmm. Don't you guys think that would be weird? Yeah, yeah. for sure. There's got to be something. Uh, I, I, it, it's like I've been surprised that there there haven't been any other guests, you know, from Answer the Call. But, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't mind Chris Hemsworth. Oh, me either. Mm-hmm. Or Tessa Thompson. She's not in Ghostbusters. I she's not in it, but <laughs> I wouldn't mind her either. Bring her on. Bring her on. I want to go to the Valkyrie panel. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> we're, I just ride off with her on her horse. Yeah. And I leave, I leave <laughs> oh, FanFest. Oh, to be that horse. We go over that rainbow uh, that's at the Sony lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to be that horse. I like it. All right, cool. Uh, I saw Endgame again yesterday. Still good. Moving on. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. Holy shit. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. So uh, Bill Murray is at the Cannes Film Festival promoting his new film with uh, Adam Driver called uh, Dead. Dead. The Dead. The Dead Don't Die. The Dead Don't Bite. Somebody please look that up. Uh, <laughs> we're very prepared. Bill Murray. Zombie movie. Z- zombie Oh, so, you know you're getting the Zombieland zombie yeah. movie. So Bill Murray is did an interview with... Uh, the Dead Don't Die. See, I had it right. Um, nobody's ever really gone. Uh, Nobody ever really dies. IndieWire did this interview with Bill Murray where he talked pretty extensively about Ghostbusters, actually. And uh, we covered it in our YouTube channel, and the quotes are, are everywhere. But basically, um, he was asked... Uh, it was weird. They were kind of having a general conversation about the Ghostbusters franchise. And he, and he first talked about the financial aspects, about how Ghostbusters paid for his children's college, which it should have paid for that and a lot more because <laughs> uh, it's one of the highest grossing comedies of all time. Um, and he talked about – it was really cool. He talked specifically about – he was kind of drawing a contrast of like, you know, my love for the movie is not for Sony or for the corporations. And he, he told an anecdote. Um, I'll read it in verbatim here because I don't want to butcher it. But uh, he talked about his love for his, his coworkers and his collaborators. And he talked about how cool it was to work with really good people and good actors in Harold Ramis, Stan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Andy Potts, Rick Moranis. And, uh, and then he talked a little bit about how he appeared in the reboot and uh, how he did that because – 
to not appear would be like to not support it, basically. Yeah, he he supports those SNL cast members and he and the, as collaborators and as peers. And he kind of thought, well, if I don't do this cameo, it, it's it it could be read as oh, Bill Murray doesn't support this movie. Um, and then the the comment that everybody's holding on to is where he said that if asked to do the new movie, he would do it. Now, we've been covering Ghostbusters 3 news for the last three years, and we've all individually been tracking Ghostbusters 3 news for like the last 30 years. I have never once seen Bill Murray in talks of a new Ghostbusters movie and whether or not he'll appear just go, yeah, I'll do it. It's (laughs) never been that. Right. Like, Jake, you've told the story many times about your birthday and learning that Bill Murray was doing Ghostbusters 3. Um, Yeah. So what was your reaction to seeing seeing that quote? I mean, we – Craig, there was a point this weekend where me and you were in the car and we were like we were talking about Fan Fest and, and Ghostbusters 3 and all that. And at one point, our conversation became serious and we were like, like, I looked over to you and I was like, do we think Bill Murray is going to be in this movie? <laughs> you know, and like we had a conversation about it and I think we came to the conclusion. No. <laughs> yeah. We're like, um, nah. no way. Uh, it, it doesn't. It's almost like reading that entire, um, you know, article, it almost feels like a punch in the gut, like in the good way, because it's like Bill Murray, you know, besides when Ghostbusters was coming out and he had to do, you know, uh, interviews, it's like he never talks about Ghostbusters, especially in that kind of a way. And to like read just him say all these great things about it and all these things he loves about it and to kind of clear the air about a few things and to mention, you know, you know, the whole Sony thing and over the years not being in the movie and just like all of that, just everything and saying like, yeah, I'll do it. It's like, so uh, it felt like I was watching uh, the trailer for the new Star Wars. (laughs) Right. I was like reading it and I'm like, am I about to cry because Bill Murray just said he loves Dan Aykroyd or like is it's just like it's such a it's it's weird because it's it's all really great. And you read that and you're like, oh, I guess he'll do the movie. But also I read that and I'm like, does this mean nobody's asked him already? Does this mean he like surely they would already know whether yeah, Bill Murray's in this me- movie? Does that mean does that mean this movie's written without Peter Venkman? And now the that the fact that they have to read that Bill Murray said he would do it means script changes because why would they not Dude. put him in it now? It like it turns into a little bit of a stressful thing. It does. I like to think that it means that he's being super coy about it and that he's already in on it and that he's like but just do, hinting. But if, he, but if he is already in and he's being coy, don't you think they would be like, hey, Bill, please don't tell people that you would do the movie? Like, but can you, you tell Bill Murray to do to anything? Be, well, that's really? the thing. Like, and accept so, it? So there's a couple things to take in here. So, Jake, I completely agree. And um, I'm not going to read the, the – I, I think everyone should just go read the article on IndieWire because it's really well done. We did a recap of it on YouTube. You can watch that as well. Uh, there's That's a, how I learned about everything was through your video, Craig. So thank thanks you. for making Me it. There, there's a, um, there's a, uh, an anecdote in there about uh, shooting Ghostbusters and, and like 25 dudes in suits from Coca-Cola showing up on set. And he, t- and he was just kind of talking about how like you could kind of smell the enemy. Like when people don't belong on set – Uh, And he he just tells a funny story about it. And 
what I really loved about it was like, you know, Bill's getting older, right? And as you get older, a lot of people do tend to calm down a little bit and maybe don't take things quite as seriously. And not that I think Bill Murray doesn't take himself seriously, but if he is given a chance to go do some work with some of his favorite collaborators from his career, obviously not Harold Ramis, um, that would have been amazing, but like he seems like he's game, but there's no way. So when, when Jason Reitman wrote this movie, like the first question that comes to mind is, well, how do you incorporate the original Ghostbusters? Who's going to be in it? Who's not? There's no way that they didn't have some sort of contingency for Venkman to be in the movie. Now, does like I'm of a couple different minds of it. He could be playing coy and just be like, yeah, if they asked me, I would do it. And maybe he comes out at FanFest and he's the star of the movie. Maybe it is just a cameo type of thing or a smaller role. Maybe they wrote a part in the movie for Venkman that could easily be lifted out if needed. Um, but they still have it there. Now, one thing that was brought up today, I think Chris Stewart brought it up, is that we do know uh, Bill Murray's about to shoot a movie with Sofia Coppola in New York uh, that's about to start filming. But we also know that the Ghostbusters production was moved back by about three weeks to the middle of July, and it's shooting from July to almost the end of October. So there's plenty of opportunity for Bill to be in the movie. Uh, whether or not he does it, we'll remain to be seen. But the fact that he's open about it is such a 180 from everything we saw from Bill Murray on David Letterman going, this is my nightmare. Yeah. To, you know, 10 years later saying super chill, like some perspective on life, kind of understanding that those may have been the best times of his actual life. And those are real friendships. And I think it's really, really heartening. Like uh, Jake said, it's kind of a of a kitten kick in the gut because it like releases a lot of emotions to think about him coming back in whatever capacity and being like, yeah, I'm here. I'm down for it. And you really can't blame him because the one thing Bill Murray always said, there's, there's a part of the article where he talks about people would go down on him. I'm sorry. What? Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the yes, have some podcasts, different article. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Here comes, here comes the memes. <laughs> Us is the ghost in the Fort Detmeyer scene. Oh, wait, that's Dan Ackley. Detmeyer. Detmeyer. You know what? Mrs. Detmeyer. Mrs. Detmeyer. Who's that? That's from, uh... It's from something. This is Mrs. Doubtfire's oh, ghost. okay. There's a part in the article where he talks about how people would be, uh, kind of getting on him over the years for not restructuring his deal from 1984. Um... And kind of preventing, you know, a new Ghostbusters from being made. But he kind of talks about, he's like, why would I restructure my deal? I made a lot of money off that deal and I'm still making money off that deal. And I think the one thing Bill always said is, I don't want to do another Ghostbusters if it's not there creatively. I don't want to just do something that's going to feed the studio money without, um, without having a say in it, without lending artistic credibility to it and making uh -huh. nothing's ever going to live up to the first Ghostbusters, but at least doing something that he felt was worth doing. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe as he's aged and grown older and has lost people and has uh, gained new perspective in life, maybe he's more open to, uh, to doing it. Um, or maybe Sony came to him with a big payday and we're like, Hey, we're doing this Ghostbusters movie. And, uh, we want you to be a part of it. And he's like, or I mean that, or maybe this script is something different and more artistic that he feels doesn't, you know, 
doesn't feel that this is just a payday. You yeah, know, you like, and that's that is in line with some of the things we have heard already. Hey, this you know. doesn't feel like a payday. Having said that, Jason Reitman uh, in his Instagram story uh, was thanking the Funko headquarters for having him this weekend. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I respect that. Good. F- I'm like jealous of him. Can Good. I tell you guys something really funny that Chris Stewart said on Facebook? Somebody was like, uh, well, they already have the likeness rights to Finn Wolfhard. And Chris Stewart just responded, likeness, with the in quotation. <laughs> uh, you know those Pops. Funko Pop likenesses. That's um, so good. Cool. Dude, we're going to get some new Ghostbusters Funko Pops. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's exciting, man. It, like, the, the news has been a little bit slow when it comes to the new movie. And this is a fit. I literally, I think last week or the week before that, I talked on the podcast about how nobody has asked Bill Murray whether or not he was yeah. going to do this movie. Um, and now we have that comment. Obviously, every website in the world picked up on it, and some are being cool about it. Some are saying Ghostbusters three confirmed with Bill Murray, whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's cool. It's it's really exciting. It, it was it was cool to see that today. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. I was actually taking a nap this afternoon, and uh, once you and I were talking, Craig, you were like, oh, wait a minute, you have no idea what's going on. Um, that's when I watched the video and caught up on everything. So. Well, I could lie, but like, we were bombed. <laughs> it, it, Atlanta's gone. Oh, everyone's gone. Uh, no. So, um, cool. One more thing of note before we get to this interview. Um, I did want to let everybody know about Yes Have Some Social Media. You can find us. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter at YHS Podcast, and also our official website, yhspodcast.com. We've got our Facebook page as well as Facebook Group Therapy, which is the official discussion group. We mentioned it earlier here in this episode. Abigail, tell yeah. everybody how they can get. Take me to group therapy. To group therapy. Well, all you have to do is log into Facebook. Look for Yes Have Some Podcast. Search for us. You'll find our page. Scroll on down. You will see Group Therapy pop up. Click it. Ask to join. And uh, one of the three of us will accept you. Hopefully it's me because I like to keep my numbers up. I'm very competitive and I love letting people in the group. Um, yeah, Group Therapy is thriving and we're growing every day with new members. Uh, people post like quality shit in there and I enjoy scrolling through it myself. So be one of those people. Uh, join in our little club, hang out, post stuff, freak out, watch our videos. Um, it's super easy and it's like a cool group. We are non-judgmental and we try to keep it like, you know, clear of dumb shit and keep the memes out. Unless they're memes of us. Yes. Only YHS memes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, check out Group Therapy. Check us on Instagram, Twitter, and obviously the YouTube channel, which we've been plugging. Um, so what we'll do is since we're running a little bit long here, uh, next week we'll, we'll pick back up on some Ghostbusters news. Uh, there's some further details about the new soundtrack release that is coming. Cool. Uh, but the official word is not out quite yet. So we don't want to jump the gun on it. Okay. Uh, but there is going to be a reissue of the original Ghostbusters score, uh, with a bunch of unreleased tracks on it. Uh, so we'll have details about that next week. And then, uh, the rumor mill was started this week about the remastered version of the Ghostbusters video game. Oh, the real third movie? Yeah, the real third movie from 2009. Um, a website, I think a Taiwanese website, has it listed for Xbox One. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, if you've never played the Ghostbusters video game, or it's called Ghostbusters the video game, uh, it's incredible. It's really an awesome experience. You got all the original actors in there. It's a really great story. It's really well done. Came out 10 years ago. This is actually the 10th anniversary for it. And, uh, the rumor is, is that it's going to have a remastered like HD 4k, 
uh, addition. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen when they do this to a video game. It's really amazing. Like uh, to think we could get that with the next gen updated graphics would be good. Mm -hmm. And Jake, I know you got a PS4 now, so you're probably like crossing your fingers on this one. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, That game is really, really fun. And um, I was talking to someone about it very recently and it made me want to want to go back and and restart that game so yeah i I hope this happens cool um and lastly i'm uh, excited to watch craig play the first level over and over again they quit i can't finish anything yeah i'm like one of those people who can't finish anything (laughs) um it was just announced like five seconds ago that the new star trek series with uh uh patrick stewart is officially called picard and they, oh, okay, they released cool. a logo for it. Right. So um, that's not relevant to anything we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so listen, we got this. I hope it's just like solo. <laughs> He's playing Picard. <clears throat> I want to know how he got his gun, <laughs> how he got his name. He's a pilot. All right. Get over here, son. What's your I'm name? Captain. Nobody ever gave me a name. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pick one. Pick, uh, pick Picard. That's how end scene perfect. Then we'll learn how Riker got his name. So, listen, uh, we're gonna get to this interview with John and Ryan. They're gonna be talking about Georgie, uh, the brand new short film that's gonna be out June 10th exclusively through Fangoria. Uh, We definitely want everybody to check that out. Uh, It's a really great interview. Stay tuned for that. Abigail, Jake, any final thoughts before we sign off? Dude, check that uh, um, short film. Have a friend watch it with you because it's kind of scary. Um, but I had a blast talking to John sure. and Ryan. So looking forward to talking yeah, to them again. Good. Yeah, it was a great interview. I also hope that we learn why Picard likes uh, Earl Grey tea. Oh, because he's a man. Because it's good. It, I don't know. Does he like? I, Is that like a? I'm such a bad. I'm a, Explain it to us. No, he drinks that throughout the show. Yeah, he does. Right? He drinks, yeah, he's like constantly drinking tea uh-huh. Earl Grey hot. Right. Well, there you have it. There you go. Abigail, anything else? That's it. I just felt like Aria looking at the uh, <laughs> fucking hound in that uh, meme that Ryan posted. About how I always looking to Jake <laughs> to confirm my uh, questions. Yeah. That was very funny, was and fun. I liked it. All right. Well, let's get on to the interview now. Here we go. Do it. For years, the film work of John Campobiano and Ryan Grulick have focused on telling stories about the hidden truths of pop culture. With the newest project, Georgie, they have now partnered with the star of the IT miniseries, Tony Dakota, Georgie, to re-envision the unparalleled horror of Stephen King's most iconic story. All right, everybody, welcome. Yes, have some podcast right now. Our special guests this evening Writers and directors of the new short film, Georgie, based in the It universe, the original It universe, mm-hmm. not the new one. I don't think. I'm going to ask them. Yeah. I'm the, wor- I'm the Out of the three of us, I'm the one who should not be yeah, talking I about agree. this. Yeah, I agree. Jake, you want to do sure. this Jake intro? is probably most qualified. <laughs> well, you've already done half of it. Okay, cool. You, you, you got the names ready. So I got their names good. ready. Okay, if I could just get through this, then we're home free. Just get through um, it. Uh, it's, the one with the, it's the one with the clown. Thank you, thank you. Uh, John Campampiano and Ryan Grulick, thank you for joining us. And I have to ask you, where are you joining us from? Well, uh, so this is John. I'm in Boston, oh, Massachusetts. Cool. John and uh, Ryan, where, where are you uh, hailing from this <clears throat> evening? Uh, this is Ryan, and I am in sunny Seattle, Washington. Okay, very cool, <laughs> very cool. Uh, well, we're in Atlanta, so we've we've basically got most of the country covered. Mm-hmm. If we can just get somebody from like, uh, I don't know, 
San Diego will be set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Maybe. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's talk about Georgie. Um, I'm always interested to learn about these kinds of projects that are clearly like passion projects. Uh, I don't want to call this a fan film because it's it's a lot more than that. We all had the chance to watch it uh, uh, recently, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, John, if you want to start off, uh, give us a little background on, on you and, and how you got involved uh, with this Georgie project. Sure. So uh, back in 2017, I guess it was, um, I joined forces with uh, Gary Smart and Chris Griffiths out in the UK. They uh, they run Dead Mouse Productions. And um, we started work on a documentary about the original miniseries, Stephen King's It. And um, sort of fast forward about a well over a year after that, uh, there were a handful of interviews that we still needed to get, basically people that were not um, – that were not uh, based in Vancouver or Los Angeles or the UK or, or New York. And one of those was Tony Dakota, who played Georgie in the original miniseries, uh, who was based not far from from Ryan um, near Seattle. And so I had put out just a sort of an open call on Facebook, you know, anybody, any filmmakers in the Seattle area that could help us get this interview shot. And uh, thankfully, Ryan got in touch. And uh, after he got the interview with, George, with uh, Tony for us, uh, one thing led to another and we sort of birthed this idea to do a short with him, which is the long and short of it, basically. But. Long and short. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Like, we're, we're familiar with um, the uh, the documentary. I know you've been working on that. We feel free to talk about that, or we can cover a little bit of that later. Um, what, um, going back, I guess, a little further for both of you guys, I know that uh, Stephen King is a major influence on you guys. At least I... I assume. Uh, I know uh, here at Yes Have Some, uh, there's a lot of Stephen King talk. Um, did that did that start early on in life, or is it a uh, does it drive a lot of your uh, creative projects? Uh, I'll I'll start. Um, yeah, you know, with King, I started reading King. I think at about 13 years of age. Uh, started reading reading King and Lovecraft like right around the same time. So they're both <clears throat> really influential on me. And with it in particular, um, it, it does take a back seat to the stand for me, but it is um, one of my favorite books ever and my mm-hmm. second favorite King novel. And uh, the miniseries was fantastic and really was something I just watched a lot of yeah. um, over and over again. The same with Mick Garris's version of The Stand. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both just phenomenal and kind of came out around that same time and totally influenced, um, you know, the love of horror. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was watching the miniseries on VHS today to kind of prep for this, <laughs> which was very enjoyable. You and can say that any day of the week. Yeah, I watched it like last week on VHS too. So yeah, I like how respect. you say on VHS, like it's like. Well, I'm like bragging. <laughs> Pop your collar, right? Yeah. yeah, for real. I'm flexing. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you want to try to brag about it VHS around John. John, how many copies of it do you oh. have on VHS at this point? All right, show oh, it's me hard, up. It's hard to say. It's um, hard to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nuts. All right, like thirty-five or something like that. <laughs> so I was I was with him at his home. We when we screened at the the Boston Underground Film Festival is where we world premiered Georgie, and he was gracious enough to to let me stay with him. And we uh, we were playing around in his media room, and the pano on an iPhone goes a long, long ways. I panoed his, uh, it collection in a linear line, right? Just a straight line. And it, it broke the pano. It couldn't go that far. <laughs> he has that many copies of the movie. 
dude. It's not. There's it's global domination. I mean, once you start, yeah, I mean, you guys know. It yeah, yeah we do. Like, you buy everyone up. I know. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, so what's it like to be a collector? Like, of course I know what it's like. Like, our entire <laughs> life is like yeah. buying ridiculous amounts of the same thing over and over with slight variations. Yeah. Or sometimes not. Like, yeah. There, there's not a VHS copy of Ghostbusters that I won't buy, even though even if I have like five of them, I'm just gonna keep buying it. Um, right. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't possibly have somebody over here in good conscience and have them notice like, well, where's the Bulgarian version of it? I mean, I'm just, yeah. you know, nice. I can't do that to people. Yeah. So because you can't have them leaving and talking bad about you and throwing you under the bus and all that. No. Um, right. Exactly. So. So basically, like, I'm trying to think, Jake, you clued us in about the Georgie mm-hmm. short, I guess maybe, has it been a year already? Like, you guys have been working on this for Close. a while, right? Yeah, quite a while. It started Close to a year, out. yeah. I think we, we launched, the, well, the Indiegogo was in August, Ryan, last, last August. Yeah, I mean, we basically wrote the short and then launched the Indiegogo within inside of like a 30 day period. I mean, it just happened really fast. Um, and I think it was right around August. So we're, we're getting close up onto a year. I put the color grading final, final, final render out two days ago. So it's it's almost a year since inception to completion. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Lots of man hours on this project. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people don't quite understand the amount of time work and energy. work and yeah. energy keep giving me words uh that is inv- <laughs> that is invested uh into a project like this i mean i guess the the film's about seven somewhere between seven and nine minutes but you could just tell seven right, minutes 26 seconds yeah. there you go uh it's uh you, just in viewing it there's just you can just see the the dedication and you guys are coming from like uh i don't know when i watched it now we could talk about this in more detail um it was way more like it was very intriguing to watch and i'm i'm and that's coming from me i'm not like a giant it fan i do like it i'm i haven't read it yet <laughs> you're getting there uh but uh jake what was your first impression when you watched the short the thing the thing the thing to me that i like so much about it is how like it feels like so much of like a cerebral i mean it's like a nightmare it's yeah. like having a nightmare, which yes. which I'm sure is what you were going for. But that's one of the best things, like uh, to be able to do, you know, a seven minute short with basically no dialogue and to be creepy and weird. And it's just like it's it's so different than what you usually see out of like fan films. Yeah. Sure. And it fits within which that original great, Which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was a big fan Go over ahead, here. John. We watched it together, all three of us, and it was very, like, chilling and had that dreamlike quality, um, kind of, like, I think psychedelic is a good word for it, to be, like, mm-hmm. it just takes you, uh, like, it, it, you feel it. It's it's creepy as fuck, and then... No spoilers, spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. I really enjoyed it, so I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> well, I, I think you kind of you kind of hit it, Jacob, when you said that, you know, it, it, without having dialogue, really, I mean, Ryan and I knew going into it that it was, you know, all the visuals. I mean, we, we storyboarded the whole thing, and... and and we knew that, you know, it was going to be really important to, to convey whatever it is we were trying to convey visually w- with really no dialogue. And I think we, we kept referring to it as a fever dream when we were writing yeah. it. Like that's that's kind of the, the feeling that we were going for. Obviously, there's a lot of sort of King and it specific uh, symbolism in there, um, which we wanted and was sort of like a tongue in cheek kind of wink to the fans that really, you know, knew the book and knew the knew the miniseries. Um, but, you know, back to your original question, I mean, I think I don't know that I so much thought of it as being in the it 1990 universe versus like the it 2 
2017 universe. I mean, at least for me, I won't speak for Ryan. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, obviously you have Tony in there and then you've got Ben, you know, kind of bookending the piece. So, I mean, it's, it's drenched with 1990s nostalgia in that way, but, but I think we just sort of saw it as I did as being just sort of in the universe of, of Of it. it. Yeah. It's really interesting. You say that because I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, we had never really spoken about that. And somebody asked me where chronologically it fit. And I had always kind of had in my mind that, um, the story is essentially taking place <clears throat> in between the, the two chapters and that the, the consumption of Sharon Dembro or the, the, you know, the, the whole fever dream pitch where everything kind of goes in this film is really just Pennywise's return. Um, because both of the characters that are featured, Tony and, and Ben, uh, Stan and Georgie, respectively, are, are dead. Respectively, are, are dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So that's where it got kind of interesting chronologically. But I placed it in between the two. Well, it's the, and especially in like promoting it. I mean, you know, bless the fans. I mean, ultimately, we do a lot of this stuff for people that are like us and enjoy it. But it's like I, I can't tell you after we launched the Indiegogo how many messages I got from people that were like, they seemed kind of irate. Like they were really angry. They were like, but Georgie's dead. Like, how could this? <laughs> oh my Is God. It? Yeah. I can't believe fans were just freaking out like that. With, yeah. Without any context. They knew the material more. Oh my God. Well, it's an iconic character. It's yeah. someone that people feel very attached to. And, and I think we were conscientious of that, um, in the writing process and in the, in the development process, because when I, when I first started thumbing around on ideas for this, the, you know, the possibilities were, were pretty limited in that if, um, Georgie is to somehow come back, you know, does he come back with one arm limping in for Thanksgiving dinner and it's a, it's a black comedy and, you know, um, or, or is it some sort of, uh, time travel thing, you know, which is kind of the only way to get dead people back. And in the end, this, this, uh, sort of art house, you know, sort of psychedelic, uh, fever dream, uh, as we were trying to kind of point at was really the best vehicle by which to have some authenticity and not have it seem, seem canned or cheesy. And mm-hmm. I think that we established that pretty quick up front, uh, in the short and that it plays pretty well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's weird, but people were definitely not necessarily psyched. There was a comment that I remember reading. I think John and I were talking about this, but it was just like there was an image where he's Georgie's in grayscale that was posted publicly. And um, somebody goes, what's that? The Silver Surfer. And it was just like, you know, you, you get these guys like really just ripping into you. And, and so a couple things too, fan film. Um, I don't take offense to that. And the reason is if, if you look back in horror, the fan literature, fan fiction, now fan film is a real thing. And when, and if you're into Lovecraft at all, you'll know that his mythos was developed and expanded upon by writers, you know, then and now. And, um, I think King will go into that same space. And, and I think that it all goes back to like Sherlock Holmes, where people were, you know, adapting and, and integrating his characters into their own narratives mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and so there's a long tradition of people doing what we're doing. Um, and, and to give it the label fan films, totally fine by me. Um, I think it stands on its own as a kind of a cool, you know, visual experience. And then to the psychedelic nature of it, my goal when we went in to shoot it was, um, let's make it so that if somebody accidentally ate a brownie, yeah. Full of marijuana. <laughs> uh-huh. And then watch this, that they would be totally regretting that experience. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Like this was a that's, bad that's idea. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you bring up the um, the Lovecraft thing because, you know, we, we Stephen King is a, a figure, uh, a pop culture figure and a, a, a novelist, obviously, who we've been with our whole life. And mm. uh, hopefully we'll be here, you know, for you know a long time. Forever and ever. Um, but – it's it's almost like that Walt Disney thing or 
you know, <laughs> I never lived at a time where Walt Disney lived, so therefore he is a mythical kind of uh, mm-hmm. person to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of think of uh, sometimes modern uh, people, maybe like Stephen King or George Lucas or even Steven Spielberg, uh, creators sure. who, you know, 50 or 100 years from now um, – their works will be expanded on mm-hmm. in different ways, uh, basically like you were just saying. Um, and Lucas is a, Lucas passion. is another living example, though. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, Lucas's work is being. I mean, uh, these kids that grew up right watching. Now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, these kids that grew up watching A New Hope are making the new Star Wars movies. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's I, part of it. Yeah, it is part of it, and I think it's really cool because now with the ability to create your own media. Uh, Without, uh, you know, major distribution channels Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever Uh, the the old adage of like uh, with bands, you don't really need a major label today Mm -hmm. to become a a successful musical act. You just need to have the ability to create and. and, Yeah, so much more freedom for creativity and passion. Yeah. So that's awesome that you guys are like taking advantage of that and and putting this amount of work into it. I wanted to go back to. Tony, Tony Dakota, what was his um, initial reaction when you approached him to to do this? I mean, you said that you were getting him for interviews for the uh, documentary. Uh, at what point did the conversation turn to uh, doing something more with him? Well, if I, John, I mean, if you want to correct me and jump in there, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember. I think Ryan and I both sort of independently of one another had the idea to like maybe do something else with Tony after his his interview for the documentary. Um, and so Ryan and I talked about it for a little while before I approached Tony. And when I did approach Tony, he was all for it. Um, I mean, the, the genesis of this was really that Tony hasn't really acted in 25 years. And in interviewing him for the documentary, we sort of broached the subject of, well, would you have an interest in maybe getting back in front of the camera in some capacity? And, and he said, absolutely. So, Ryan and I were kind of eager to give him that opportunity to do something creative and fun and constructive. Um, oh, eager is an understatement. It was, yeah. it was so exhilarating to hear him say that. And I, I just want to go on to add one thing just in case it gets missed for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. And for those who have, it, it, it doesn't show that he hasn't been on camera in 25 years. And I've worked with a lot of like, stage talent and screen talent. He, he really kills it in this film. He's, he, he's so present and you go to the dialogue comment about it being difficult to tell a story that's super accurate and dialogue's essentially a crutch that we use mm-hmm. to tell a story and move it along. Um, but the, he just like sells, you know, that character so well, I, I just am so happy that he agreed to do it. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Chilling performance. Yeah. Um, sorry. I had a cat. We had a cat at the window that we just had to deal with. <laughs> We're really I had a cat sorry. at the window. Sorry. Did you pet it? Did that we opened the window. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, <laughs> kitty, kitty, kitty. No, that's yeah. cool. And, and it's cool that you talk about giving him the opportunity to do something uh, that he hasn't done in 25 years that he probably uh, maybe has wanted to do or didn't have the avenue to explore doing it. Um, so what was the timeline between those conversations and – uh, you know, ramping up the writing and launching the Indiegogo was it was it a pretty quick turnaround? Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I would say it was. Basically, we launched our Indiegogo in August. There was already you know into the third, fourth draft of the of the script, and we shot November nine, ten, eleven, 
of 2018 here in Seattle. And uh, I mean, it was it was all pretty quick, but it should be for a short. It's not absurd for a short film to turn around that quickly. But there were a lot of moving pieces on this one, and it was a fairly complicated project technically. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah, I'm actually just going through some of my old emails now from with, between Ryan and I from those early days. And we really started hammering out the script like around the middle of June. Um, OK. Yeah. So I think we, we I seem to remember we spent a lot of the summer sort of talking to Tony and, and working on the script and just hammering all that stuff out and getting ready to shoot and obviously launching the Indiegogo and promoting that and all that stuff. So. Nice. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> cool. Um, so. Once you guys launched the Indiegogo, I think you put out like – did you do like a teaser trailer or some concept art to kind of like drum up interest? <laughs> yeah, both. The, te- the teaser trailer um, was great. Uh, my, my partner in crime and one of my best friends, Josh Wells, uh, w- was Georgie. It wasn't Tony Dakota. Um, he pulls it off though and, and the interesting thing is that uh, he it hates being on camera. Like he, he's a DP by nature. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So we ended up having to DP for him as he uh, got up and, and played the role because he was the only person that could fold a paper boat super well. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then in the end, just to kind of, uh, I heard you cuss earlier, so I'll, I'll use, I'll use a cuss word just to be a dick. Oh, um, oh, we, we cut, we cut the close up of him uh, doing the paper boat out so that you only see the boat at the end. You just see the finished product. So it's, it's just this total gag reel. And, and why I'm not supposed to cuss is because I forgot we were doing this podcast and I okay. just randomly pulled over and I am in front of a huge uh, Virgin Mary and baby Jesus in some sort of nave in a Catholic parking lot. Oh. So, yeah, What's what a doing, Catholic so. parking lot? Oh, is it a church? <laughs> like, yes. Like, yeah, I, was just totally the, I don't know. I'm not religious. For uh, so their so sake, maybe... That's really we fun. like our cusses here yeah. at Yes Have Some I podcast. do like the idea of religious-themed parking lots. Like when you go to Universal <laughs> Studios, oh, and I'm it's not. like you're, you're at the, the King Mormon Kong lot. lot or the Jaws lot. Oh, my God. I there's like a Scientology like lot. It's kind of nice. There's that, there would like, be no road rage in a Quaker parking lot. Right, that's right. why. Oh, Dude, that's, that's where I'm parking. There's like that I don't know about you guys. I'm parked in Hindu. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really peaceful. So anyway, yeah, it, the, the teaser was fun to shoot, and it was, you know, it was very exploratory because what you know, you had very minor threads of the story available at that point. You know, we knew there was a man, we knew there was a boat. Um, you know, some of this stuff was pretty abstract, as you've watched from the film. It, it really is kind of like art house, but not. And um, so we knew that without investing serious amounts of time in, in an art house film, every shot in theory, unless it's totally random, is composed with a lot of patience. Um, so the primary interiors of, of the of the short film were shot in 26 hours straight. We shot for 26 hours straight wow. Wow. and shot the primary interiors of what you see on that. And um, it was just a lot of like painstaking shots. But with the teaser, we just kind of had to knock something out to be like, hey, we're making a movie. We know how to make movies and, you know, we, we need something quick. So that, that was really what that was. And the concept art, uh, John, do you want to speak to that? You were really involved uh, with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, so we got in touch with a guy, Jacob Nosen, maybe you guys mm-hmm. all know, Zachary Jackson Brown, who does some really killer, um, like horror movie themed artwork. And okay, he, yeah. mm-hmm. we licensed one of his it pieces for the Blu-ray artwork for the documentary and, um, really nice guy, really down to earth, really talented, really fast. And so I knew pretty pretty early on that he would be great to collaborate with on some concept art for Georgie. 
and he was all of that and more. He was really great to work with. And, uh, we kicked around a lot of ideas, uh, for the poster and ended up going with, uh, the, the, the skeletal Georgie holding the boat and the balloons behind him. And, um, I think it's pretty eye catching. It made for a really killer and yeah. which was one of the perks that we put together for the Nigogo. So, um, I'm pretty pleased with it. That's a yeah, great piece of art. Yeah, those that that was a great piece of art. There there was another one that he did that we really waffled on, and and it was um it was basically very like it was Hamlet basically where he's holding you know Horatio's skull, but mm-hmm. it's Pennywise's hand you remember coming that one? up it, with the white yeah, glove and and Georgie's skull in his hand, and I, I like want to get that tattooed. I like, want to yeah. email and be like, can I get that tattooed? That was um, a cool idea. <laughs> Yeah. But it, it, it ended up playing where the image that, that he and John worked out with the uh, with the paper boat and stuff, I, I think is way more iconic. But again, you know, I, I think that the production value on this, you know, for being a, and I'm using finger quotes, like being a fan film, being a short, um, the production value is incredibly high. And it, it, it's got a lot of uh, thought behind all the little pieces. And that's what's so fun about it to me. Yeah, there, there's something else I wanted to uh, like, uh, I guess if if I mean, I guess it's not really a spoiler, but if if this is something you guys don't want us to talk about, we can cut it out. But uh, I wonder if you guys want to talk about the um, the animation <laughs> sequence. Yeah, but I, I don't mind it being discussed. John, do you? No, not at all. Let's go for it. Yep. Cool. Yeah, shoot. Cool. Well, what's your question? Yeah, no, I just mean like, is that was that something you guys wanted to do from the start or or was it one <laughs> of those things where you're like, you know, you know, you knew somebody and you're like, Hey, we can do this. Why not do it? Cause that, that's such a, that's such a fun little piece of the film. And it's also like, uh, it's impressive. It looks so good. You know, it's also risky <laughs> because think, if it, if it doesn't, cause it works. It <laughs> but yeah. But if it does like, yeah. we, th- there's this thing they do in a lot of documentaries now where they'll, they'll, they'll kind of fill in the pieces of missing footage with like animated sequences. And yep. sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's like, I think a Not. still image <laughs> would have been, been better. Been fine. Yeah. <laughs> so the cut, the yeah, the cut to two D on this was really interesting. Um, the scene that that leads right up to it, um, there's that you'll notice some cutting back and forth that's really intense and kind of moving a character around. Um, we'll, we'll save that spoiler, but the character's kind of moving around the space, and then it, it cuts into two D. And that animation came because I was really struggling with how to sell. What in my vision of Pennywise really is that he's like this extra dimensional trickster God and that Mm -hmm. there's 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 some Jungian symbolism that I tried to throw into this piece. There's some just straight up, you know, kind of magical symbolism that I tried to throw into this piece. And the Jungian pieces really has to do with this kind of trickster God where he's kind of moving around and then the relationship with the mother and excuse me. And so when it cuts to 2D, um, that was totally an afterthought that was not planned. I was on the freeway uh, venting and just kvetching with John and saying, why can't this work? You know, I really don't like it. And what was the movie you recommended watching, John? Well, we were I know. Yeah, you were, you were driving. We were kicking around ideas for scene 12. Like we just felt like they, we needed something like it needed something. <laughs> and then we mentioned, I don't know. I, the I think I said yeah. sequence. And then I thought about this VHS tape I used to watch as a kid called Scuffy the Tugboat. Which oh, right. <laughs> And That's so I'm right. like, and what about stuff with the tugboat? And then like, I don't know if he had like, I thought maybe he had driven off the road or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that was fun. Yeah. And so that the, the kind of the concept of like that style animation, like picture book, kid movie, Disney, 
Yeah. yeah, it was very Disneyfied, and and that really struck a nerve with me because I'm a huge Disney nerd. I actually like did a documentary on the Haunted Mansion at Disney, and like I, I'm I you're starting to talk about Walt. I'm a huge fan of Walt, and I'm a huge Disney nerd, and I love 2D animation, especially hand drawn. And um, so this stuff, he he just really nailed it, and uh, then took the idea, and it, it was one of those situations where where you know you know somebody and. Um, all the credit in the world to the gentleman Justice Biggert um, in Olympia, Washington, who is an animator by trade and FX guy. Um, and he knocked that 30 second piece out, took him about 30 days and got a couple of reviews on it. We had to make one cut, which I still waffle with, which is there was an umbilical cord, again, going back to the, the Jungian symbolism. There was an umbilical cord that's connecting them. In his original renditions of the animatic, just kind of the bookend pieces of the frame, um, he had really expanded on it and made it super gory and stuff. And we, mm. we turned away from it. And in, in hindsight, I'm sure it was a smart move for accessibility. Um, but yeah. it was it was actually a lot darker up front with his first touch. Mm -hmm. And then we, we kind of made it a little bit more accessible and, and I would say a little bit more Disneyfied, yeah. which in the end, the, the animation plays super well. Your comment about it failing is really did those sequences where they really fail is when you come in and out of, of live action. And so if you look at the sequence in the front and in the end, Everything is mirrored. So the proportions are mirrored. Um, took a lot of work to get that right. So we fade in and out of reality pretty well. Um, and I think that uh, I think that that is like the most awesome part of the movie, to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think that's the coolest thing. Right. So I've got two thoughts. One, Abby's on eBay right now looking at uh, Scuffy the Tugboat. Yeah, it's a little golden book. <laughs> I used to have it. Dude, yes. I would get that right? tattoo. Also, oh I want to see your Snyder cut of like the darker version really <laughs> bad. Snyder cut. Snyder cut. Yeah. That's going to go down <laughs> in his. Please release it is it? now to release the darker version of something is a Snyder cut. Yes. Um, well, I will gladly ship you the animatic. Yeah. If you'd like to, if you, if yes. you would like to see it, I will Thank gladly you. ship you the animatic in which that frame exists. You can Dope. find me on Instagram. I'm not saying it's aliens. Okay. You can find me on Instagram and, and send me a thing. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think um, I think people are going to be really impressed by that. I know when we watched it, like there's those moments when you're when you're viewing something, especially like anytime something's done. Uh, I, I watch something with a different kind of critical eye when when you know uh, when you're a little bit closer to it, and you you know the people, or you know that their fans are doing this as a passion project. Um, and I was just I was really impressed. I was, and it, I'm glad Jake brought up the animated sequence because it was. Uh, it was really cool. It was different. I think people are going to really like that. Um, yeah. Speaking cool. of people, so you guys did the Indiegogo. You went to work. You made this really, really awesome short. And now you're prepping release. So what does that look like? How are people going to be seeing this once it's out uh, for the public to view? John? Yeah, so uh, it's been playing. Uh, I guess it had its first official uh, public screening at the Boston Underground Film Festival back in March, and it's been uh, making the festival rounds. It's got a few more coming up, and we still have to wait to hear about a few more for later this summer. Um, but the uh, the folks at Fangoria are going to give it a digital premiere on June 10th. It's going to be available on their social media platforms for, uh, I think we agreed on 48 hours. People will be able to check it out there. Um, 
And then soon thereafter, you know, we're the plan is to make it as widely available and as easily available to as many people as as we can. Um, so very, that's very awesome. Cool. That's so cool. I mean, I feel like that's kind of like when you get to this part of it of the process. I mean, there's. I mean, I'm sure you guys know if you're your filmmakers, a lot of these projects, a never get off the ground, b crash and burn halfway through, or c you get to the end, but there's no distribution and nobody see Like I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of ways that it can become frustrating as a creator. So the fact that you guys are going to get like Fangoria to, mm-hmm. to premiere it, like that's like, that's How amazing. That, that's right? amazing. Yeah. yeah it's a big it thing. Is. Like I was trying to think yeah, of a, that's, that's a, a comparison, but I can't. In and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We got Tony Dakota. We got Ben Heller. Oh, and we got Fangoria. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was it was pretty surreal. And and I think what's really cool about that is not only is it cool for us, which it most definitely is, and we're super grateful. But what what I see there again, going back to that mythos and that whole Lovecraftiana, you know, sort of thing, is that there's a scaffolding by which other people like us, if you know the the content merits, you know, the attention or whatever, can probably you'll probably start to see that more and more. And mm-hmm. I think that um, we, John and I both have been in this kind of like pop culture exploration around, you know, different things, horror things and Disney things and all this kind of stuff. And there's kind of been this fan, uh, you know, doc or film wave that, you know, he and I both have been writing. And so I, I think we get it a little bit, you know, from that experience. And I think that you will see a time in which people um, are able to exhibit those sorts of projects at, on a larger stage because of the democratization of technology and the access that people have to media through you know, publishing companies and their websites like Fangoria. Mm-hmm. But Fangoria, that was nuts. It was just like, oh, I mean, you know, you read Fangoria when you're a kid. I'm 36 now. <clears throat> and I've been reading Fangoria since, you know, that was probably one of the first magazines that I ever read. Definitely the first trade magazine mm-hmm. right. I ever read. Yeah, yeah it's That's really cool. validation right there, man. And then, um, so, yeah, and you mentioned there, there are, in the world of fan films, especially in horror, like, there's always, they've, they've existed for a long time, but they're, they're getting better. And there's, there's more interesting takes. Like there's a million ways that you could have done something with it and it could have been kind of like, you know, maybe what somebody would expect. And I think if I was going to tell anybody to watch this, I would say, uh, it's not what you maybe think. Don't eat a brownie first. Yeah. Don't eat a brownie. (laughs) Please eat a brownie first. Uh, And then wait about an hour and a half and eat another one because it isn't kicking in. But it's like, yeah, go for it, Jake. No, I was just going to say, I think the this is kind of a little bit like what we were speaking to earlier with just uh, the whole, the whole thing of this film is that you you were mentioning how, you know, there's kind of all these, you you didn't want to just like completely cement it in original film, new film book or whatever. But like the best thing, the thing that's really cool to me is that like when you, when you read it, there's so many instances in that book where Pennywise is like kind of playing tricks on people or things happen and those people aren't sure those things just happened for real or, you know, and that's exactly what this, that's exactly what this film is. Like it could be taken out of any of those, you know, hundred instances in that Mm -hmm. book. That's super high praise. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that that was, that was the intention. And I, I love every adaptation that is out there. Like I enjoy them all. And that is the one piece of his character that I, I wanted to key in on that I've always felt like could be expanded upon more. So I, I'm mm-hmm. glad that that came across. Yeah. yeah and we were having a conversation last week on the podcast um, 
about the trailer for the new movie, and I, I had kind of brought up, um, obviously, the, the first one from 2017 was extremely successful financially and critically. Um, it, I imagine if the second one does as well that I just don't see Warner Brothers not trying to take the take it further for that could be a that could be a horrible idea but uh just speaking just speaking to the fact that uh it's a very big book and there's a there's a lot of probably you know there's gaps that can be filled uh from folks like you and then you know also the the ones uh the warner brothers the wb I've, i've always sort of thought that that it would do really well as like you know an extended like 10 part you know, um, series, you know, limited series. I mean, there's another, yeah, for sure. I mean, when we were, when we were interviewing Larry Cohen, Larry D Cohen, the, um, the screenwriter for the miniseries, you know, he was talking about how, uh, he and George Romero, who was slated to direct originally before Tommy Lee Wallace, you know, their, their intention was to do something of that scale, you know, but I think <laughs> that studios just didn't get it back in 89, you know, I mean, they, yeah. they're, the Breaking Bads and the Game of Thrones and stuff obviously weren't a thing yet. So they just, they, it went from like six parts to five parts to four parts to three parts. And then I think by the time it got so skinny, Romero bailed. And, but you know, Larry was saying that like, if they could do it again, if he could do it again, he would push for it to be this epic, maybe 10, 12 part series. And he'd, on, and like he'd an, probably get it. Or, oh, of course. He'd yeah. Get, that's yeah, that's, that's what the story needs. Now. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you say that because, and, and it, it all kind of dovetails uh, here with this conversation because Josh Boone is now redoing the stand and Josh Boone yep. is exactly, you know, heavy fan, heavy commentator, heavy, uh, you know, observer of, you know, how film works and, and how stories work. And, and he's, you know, he's a reader and stuff. And I, I really am excited to see what he does with the stand. Um, and I think that that is potentially a door to other people, you know, working in the, in the King idiom. And I, I think you will see, I, I think you will see King become Lovecraftish in that regard. And it's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, really prevalent for the next probably quite a while. Yeah. And as far as its success, kind of tough to, uh, stop a moving train. They, they, they've just got all of the right pieces in place. Um, and I wish that, I wish, you know, them all the success. Uh, the first film was great. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of, I was, I was, uh, listening. Stephen King was on, um, he was on Mick Garris's, uh, yes. podcast recently. And, and something he mentions is that, um, uh, he gets asked if what he thinks of, you know, multiple interpretations of, of his work. And, and, and the thing that he's, he kind of says is that it's, it's like Shakespeare, you know, mm-hmm. do it as many times as you want in as many different ways as you want mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> exactly. Stephen King's yeah, like, listen, that. when it comes to my work, it's, it's like Shakespeare. It's, Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's exactly like Shakespeare. Dude, <laughs> it's true. Yes. Um, so, Cool. So you guys will have the release uh, and everybody will get a chance to see it. When that happens, we will uh, promote it and we will push it and we will encourage everybody to check it out. What um, – a couple more questions if you guys have a few minutes. Yeah. Were you able to share uh, the short with some of the original cast beyond the folks that appeared in it? Um, and have you gotten some like feedback or react? Obviously – have. Is there a way for Stephen King to watch it? Like, how does that go for you guys? It's a John question. Um, well, I've, I've, I've kind of, I've held off on sending it to King's people and to him just because I, I, I'd rather it be under the, the banner of Fangoria and have it be the, you know, the graded, we only just got the, the graded cut, uh, mm-hmm. somewhat recently. So I've sort of been holding back on that. Um, 
the the kids, the other kids from the miniseries have seen it, maybe with the exception of a couple, and everybody thinks it's great. You know, Ben Heller was so supportive and so eager to participate and was really excited. And um, he loves how it turned out. Um, I did send. We it. love Ben Heller, by the oh, way. Oh, Ben Heller is like the greatest human being on the planet. Uh, uh, I, yeah, yeah, that's he real. is. He is the nicest dude I think I've ever met. Thank you, John. <laughs> but oh, uh, yeah, he's such a he's such a like pleasure to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. he's a wonderful human being. Yeah, yeah. and um, and I Emily Perkins has seen it. Um, I sent it to her. And, um, Andy Muschietti, I sent it to him as well, not to name drop, but he checked it out and he thought it was awesome and loved to see it. Cool. Yeah. And nice. He can name drop. We respect yeah, we that. We love name dropping. I think the so, people, yeah. <laughs> people who know, like I, I, if anybody's even remotely known, like I, if I run into like it's getting the local weather person, I'm like calling my friends. So. Did you guys see Steve McCreeble at the thing? <laughs> I did. Send Steve McCreeble, Georgie and let us know. I'm curious, but <laughs> um, that's awesome. But, but, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So the response has been, you know, it's been great. People are excited. Um, and I think once, once it's out, it'll be a little easier to sort of just like canvas our contacts and, and, you know, I'd like to send it to some of the adult cast members from the miniseries and stuff like that. So sure. Yeah. Yeah, We, we want it to get, we want people to at least get a chance to see it because I mean, you know, 48 hours is a short run on, uh, Fangoria, but it's still presence. And I think a lot of industry people are looking at it. It'll be tough to find a forever home for this. That isn't Vimeo or YouTube. It'll be tough to put it behind a paywall because it's, it's IP, you know, concerns and stuff. And we're totally cognizant of that and we're not trying to make any money off of it, but we would, like to find a good forever home where it can you know be viewed um and i think that um yeah the the, the idea yeah. of stephen yeah. king seeing the short is has always been in the back of my mind while, while i've been working on it and yeah, just I, wanted I, to make sure that he you know well he's gotta it. have <laughs> seven minutes he sits there and watches baseball every night right? of the year he's got ten minutes to spare no hey, we're think- no red Sox, man we're no red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> um and what I would Sports. love to see, like, as soon as it was done, I was like, well, I want to see more from this type of interpretation. Yeah. So maybe, like, you guys could do, like, a follow-up or something like that down the road. I'd like to, I'd like to get Mrs. Kirsch, like, in the grocery Ooh, store. Oh, I'd yeah. be down for that. Mm-hmm. In the grocery store? <laughs> yeah. Getting that muddy tea? I like it. I'm, I'm totally open to it. I mean, I think it, I think Georgie, it all kind of came together at the really, at the right time. I mean, I, I think it, Georgie wasn't going to happen unless it sort of happened when it did and the things how it did. the way, yeah. how it did. Um, and you know, putting Tony in part of the, the Tim Curry Pennywise suit from the miniseries was, was great. I think that had a, a part in him wanting to do it. He thought that was kind of cool. And so I think it just, it really kind of coalesced at the right moment. Um, so, you know, I think if something presented itself in a natural way and didn't feel forced and we were excited about doing it, I'm sure, you know, Ryan and I would consider it, right? I would definitely remake Maximum Overdrive in an art house Lynchian <laughs> Northwest specialty. Yes, I like that. I like that. Um, On board. Yeah. Oh, Jake, I don't know. Jake, did you watch the new uh, episode of uh, – or the new season of Twin Peaks? Did you watch that? Uh, oh, I did I, not. No, you no, guys did? To. Yeah, missed it. Just a, season, season three, episode eight. Yes, that's Just what I was going to bring up. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like season three, episode Does this eight. Got a light. Yeah, it's going to yes. inspire okay. yeah. like a, a whole of. generation of of interesting filmmaking. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's a formative uh, moment. Right? I heard that that they're doing like theatrical 
uh, screenings now of, of that. Yeah, yeah. they are. And there's there's actually uh, here in, in the Seattle area, obviously, we're, we're pretty soaked in in Twin Peaks and all that. <laughs> yeah. and, and um, I was at a film festival last year that some guys from New York put on out here, ironically, but they had um, they had all of these art house films that either informed Lynch or were informed by Lynch. And um, there, there were a couple that were really standouts. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about art house film is that it's, it's really not accessible. Um, and I think that what Lynch did with, with that particular episode, because he had the money and because he had the, the name and, and obviously the skill was to be able to make a piece of art house cinema that played to a wide audience, which is incredibly difficult to do. And I, I mean, that's masterwork right there. Yeah. That's no, a yeah. great great 90 minutes or 60 minutes or however long it is. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm going to revisit that at some point. Um, well, so before we let you go, John, um, I wanted to ask you the documentary. I know you mentioned it and we've gotten questions about it. Is there any kind of like release date or is that still kind of TBD? Yeah. I mean, a hard date is TBD. It's, it's going to be this year for sure. Cool. Um, nice. uh, we're making really good progress where I think I'm working on like the fourth draft of the script right now. And it's, it's, pretty close to, to sort of being locked, uh, from a narrative perspective. And then there's all the other bells and whistles and stuff, but no, it's going to be this year for sure. And, um, I, I think we'll have a hard date by the summer to be able to share with people. So that's soon. awesome. Tight. Yeah. The, we've, there's a, uh, there's a making of ghostbusters documentary. We're, we're big ghostbusters fans, as you probably know. And, yeah. uh, it's called cleaning up the town and the teaser trailer dropped in 2010 and oh dear! They, yeah, they just locked in. It's actually premiering this weekend at Con. I believe the pronounce is Con. Yeah, it's okay. amazing. So, and we we've met, and and the it's again that's a passion project. They've been, literally been working on it for a decade. So, um, it's not lost on us on how much work and yeah, how hard exactly. it is to put this stuff together. So. Uh, that's phenomenal though. Definitely yeah. the work, but it's also like on top of that, it's like most of us have day jobs too. You yeah, know? that's so, the yeah, other respect thing. again. And we've got like spouses and we've got lives and family and you know, so it's it's uh, I think that's <laughs> I think that's kind of like and a cat and boglins that I play with regularly. So it's like, you know, yeah. it's, um I have boglin mouths to feed too. So um but it's you know, it's like to, to what you were saying early on, it's like I think some people don't realize that, you know, like kind of what goes in um not to just making it, but also like juggling that time and finding the time and kind of having the discipline to like really just do it and see it to the finish line, you know? So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hey, where can uh, folks find you both in on social media and uh, maybe the official site or anything for the, uh, hey, ba- plug it, plug, plug away. it up, plug away, plug it up. Right? Go John. Go <laughs> plug John. Up, Brian. Get plugs. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm not the greatest plugger. Um, I'm a little awkward in the plugging department, but you can, <laughs> um, you can follow my, uh, company creepy kingdom at creepy kingdom um and we're on all of the things i I don't run them but i know that's the at creepy kingdom is what i'm supposed to say cool and that's it for me yeah i'm pretty easy to find it uh on instagram and basically facebook i don't do much twitter uh you can find me on live journal uh writing about how my my day has been going um but mostly instagram and facebook um yeah I love nice. that. I wish more people had live journals. I, I have a secret live journal that I still update. I don't actually have it. Yeah. That, oh, I was, okay. 
Oh, I was so, starting to just like you bonded more. with you, and then you I know. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I was gonna give you my password. And... We already bonded over Scuffy, so it's right. cool. yeah, it's cool. Uh, met a guy who likes Scuffy today. Okay. He looked kind of cute. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. Doing it. Right. Might blog about it. it might blog. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I guess before we wrap up, I, I will say that Ryan and I are, are starting to work on another project together that um, has been we're talking about. Yeah. Ooh, um, tease. So not to not to not to tease. Uh, but Can we say anything about it? What's that, Ryan? I, I'm, I'm I have one component of this that incredibly excites me. If you're willing to share somebody that's come on board with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so right, so we're working Ryan and I. So we're working on a new short film and. Um, Timothy Clark, who is a uh, creature designer, puppeteer, um, has come on board as a creative producer. He, um, Timothy's background is he worked with Jim Henson back in the day, and he also um, did monster making for The Dark Crystal. He also worked on oh, Fraggle Rock. Very cool. And nice. so he did, he, yeah, he did Uncle Traveling Matt on Fraggle Rock, and he did um, The Mystics in The Dark Crystal. He did the design oh, for yeah. those. Oh, word. Those cool. are sick. Okay, very and cool. He, uh, co-creator of Sectors and Boglins. And yeah. really Sectors! Excited. Whoa. Yeah. So he's working with us on this, this new project uh, that I'm putting together and really excited about it. And we'll see where it goes, but maybe we can come back on later in the year and talk about it. We'll, yeah. we'll bring Daniel Day-Lewis. We'll bring Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> for There Will oh. Be Puppets. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, do. you guys are literally more than welcome to anytime. Come, anytime come on the show, take over. I don't care. Yeah, well, you guys can do our <laughs> horror episodes for October for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll do some uh, horror breakdowns because I want to learn more about – uh, just some general fandom stuff and like what you guys collect and basically yeah. Uh, yeah. what you salivate over at the antique I stores. I see those VHS tapes. Those two. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I will send them to you. Yeah, okay. that'd be really fun. Cool. Cool, dude. All right, guys. Well, John, right, Ryan, thank you so much. We will catch up down the road. Everybody go check out Georgie. Uh, June 10th, is that the date for Fangoria? Uh, that's the date. That's going to be good. A lot of people are going to see it. All right. Thank yeah. you, guys. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, y'all.